It's good to have Monty and Gwen with us here this evening because I'm going to begin by telling you about a professor of mine at Regent College whom they will know and love. Bruce Walkey taught me Old Testament only for one class during my studies at Regent College. He taught me a lot about this subject that we have been looking at for a number of weeks in our evening service, God's guidance, and his teaching has shaped my ideas quite considerably. Like most of the professors at Regent, Bruce Walkey always had an open door for his students. They could call in at his office at any time and talk with him about some struggle that they had or to look to him for some form of guidance. Should I take the job that I've been offered? Should I go on and study for a PhD? Students would come and they'd ask the professors for help with with questions just covering all areas of their lives. Talking about these encounters with students looking for guidance, Bruce said that often he asked them a simple question. What makes sense? In your best judgment, what do you think you should do? He says that often at this point the conversation goes dead. The the students stare back at him blankly. They can't even begin to answer. They've never thought hard about the situation the very situation that they're asking him for advice about. They've never thought about what makes sense. I suppose the bottom line is that it's never occurred to them that a Christian, a person living for Jesus Christ, should ever have to make up their own mind. Friends, that's a common enough misconception in the church and one that we're going to think about briefly this evening. Remember what we've learned so far now in this series about God's guiding in our lives. We've learned that God guides us through his word, through our heartfelt desires, through the good advice of others, and his providence. We thought about this last week. His providence at work in our circumstances. But there's still another place where we must expect to find God guiding us. We must learn to exercise sound judgment. Because it's very, very possible that even after we've read God's word, after we've prayed, after we've sought out good advice, that we still don't have a definite sense of God's call and God's leading. And that's the time when God expects us to rely on sound judgment. God gave each one of us a a mind, a brain, and he expects us to use it. Whenever Jesus answered the teacher of the law, the question was, which is the most important of the commandments? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Christians are to love God with their minds. We are to be thinking people. And this is a very important thing when we are thinking, as we have been, about God's guidance in our lives Often God guides us by simply allowing us to use our heads. A choice that makes sense is very often the very thing that God wants us to do. And there are plenty of examples of that in God's word. I want to take a moment to point out a couple of very, very different ones to you. Turn with me in your Bibles there to page 462, Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 30. 
Second Chronicles chapter 30 on page 462. I doubt you'll be very familiar with this passage, but that won't prevent us from learning from it. 463, I'm noticing. In this chapter, we're reading about a time when King Hezekiah is reestablishing the true worship of God after a period of time when God's people have rejected him. And for the first time in years, God's people have gathered to celebrate the Passover. Look with me at verse 4. We read there why they did this. The plan seemed right both to the king and to the whole assembly. Did you get that? The plan seemed right. No flash of, of lightning, no voice from heaven. These people decided to celebrate the Passover because they thought it was the right thing to do. Let's read on. In verse 21, we discover how the celebrations went. The Israelites who were present in Jerusalem celebrated the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days with great rejoicing. And then in verse 23, we see that the whole assembly then agreed to celebrate the festival seven more days. So for another seven days, they celebrated joyfully. Isn't that great? You can almost picture the people, the leaders and the people consulting at the end of the first week. Isn't this wonderful? They're saying, for the first time in years, we're gathering together, we're worshipping God wholeheartedly. We're enjoying a new level of fellowship with one another. This is too good to end today. What about staying around for another week? Will we do it? And yes, they deliberate and they agree. Again, there's no flash of thunder, no flash of lightning, no voice from heaven, just God's people consulting and agreeing what seems best to them at that point in time. Turn back with me to Acts chapter 15, that passage which we read just a moment ago. You'll find that on page 1110. This chapter tells about a key moment in the life of the early church. A council has been convened in Jerusalem, and the purpose is to decide whether a Gentile coming to faith in Jesus Christ can do so without taking on the trappings of the Jewish religion and customs. After a long discussion, Peter speaks up, and he says that the Gentiles are saved by grace and that they don't need any physical mark. Then Paul and Barnabas, they back him up by saying, yes, that's true. We've seen it. We've seen how God has worked in the lives of these uncircumcised Gentiles. And finally, James speaks up to confirm what the others before him have said. Now, I want you to look carefully at the language James uses in verse 19. On this massive topic that will define the future of the church, he says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles turning to God. At this crucial moment, on this very important debate, James isn't afraid to say, it's my judgment. 
He's not afraid to say, this is what I think on the matter. Because James knows that there are occasions when God guides his people through their use of sound judgment. And look at verse 22. Then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They decided and they chose. Again, they thought about this situation and they responded using their best judgment. And folks, in a sense, this is all entirely natural. The Bible isn't the only place where we find examples of God's people exercising their best judgment. I meet here once a month with our congregational committee and our Kirk session. And to open each of those meetings, we pray. And the prayer may take a different form, but in a sense, it's always a similar prayer. And the prayer is that God would guide us, that somehow through our very human deliberations, us giving the best of the reason and the judgment that God has given us, that somehow, almost mysteriously, God's will would be done. We believe, as God's people, that when we exercise our best judgment, we live under the guiding of God. Friends, and of course it's the same in our personal lives. There are times whenever you will have read your Bible as you've been seeking God's leading on a particular matter. You'll have talked to friends about it. You'll have thought of the desires of your heart, but somehow still, you're just not sure. At that point, it's okay to step forward using the best judgment that you have at that moment in time. In a sense, everything that I've said so far this evening is so so self-evident, it hardly needs to be said. And this is where I want to change tack almost entirely. Everything I've said so far isn't surprising, but what might be surprising to us as God's people is the relative importance of sound judgment as we make our way through life and as we make our decisions. You see, for people who aren't living under God's guidance, this is all they have. For a person who lives their life without reference to God, making the best of a decision, thinking hard about it, just giving it their best shot, is the best that they can do. But that's not the case for us. For Christians, it's different. We believe that God is guiding us. We can't, we cannot make a sound judgment until we have relied on God's word, until we have listened to the fellowship of those around us, until we have listened to the promptings of God in our own heart. Don't, don't misunderstand me. That's not to say that we don't do that. I am sure there have been many, many times when I have made exactly the same kind of judgment that I would have made if I had no reference to Christ in my life. When I do that, friends, I step out of that area where I'm being guided by God. 
I've gone alone. As God's people, we we long to learn a different way, and that is to live our lives open to and before God. I want to talk for a moment about the limitations of sound judgment. You see, sometimes God will guide us in a direction that makes absolutely no sense in the normal human scheme of things. Uh, Probably the most powerful example of this in the Bible is, is God's command to Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac on the mount in Moriah. That command makes no sense. It makes no, no sense even under the normal scheme of things that a loving God would ask a father to sacrifice his son. That makes no sense. But what makes this even more incomprehensible is the role of Isaac. Isaac is the child of the promise. God has made massive promises to Abraham and they rest on his son Isaac and on Isaac's descendants. If Isaac dies, God's promises fail and God is declared a liar. God's command makes no sense. Now if Abraham had applied only sound judgment and human reason without reference to this life of God, he would have failed. He would have disobeyed God. Friends, we know that although God's commands to us sometimes make no sense at all, we are commanded to be obedient. You see, there are times when sound judgment is entirely limited. One of the interesting things I've found as I've preached this series on God's guiding in our lives, as well as learning a lot again from the Bible, I've had a chance to reflect on incidents in my life and how God has guided me. And I've shared a few of those with you. Just over two years ago, I was looking for God's guidance regarding which church I should go to after leaving High Kirk and Ballymena. And again, I smile because Monty and I met in Come On In over the road there to talk about this very very issue. I can remember a conversation I had with another more senior minister at the time. I told him about a number of churches which were vacant where I might receive a call or or where there was some interest being shown. And then I mentioned to him a place on the Upper Newtonards Road called Kirkpatrick Memorial. His face just turned Christoph, that is the last place on earth I would send you, is what he said to me. That was his honest reply, and I'm grateful for it. We always long for an honest and an open answer. Sound judgment and human logic maybe did suggest that this was the last place on earth that you would send a young, inexperienced minister as his first charge. Humanly speaking, he may have been right. But thankfully, God knows better. At a time when human reason said no, God's word, the desires of my heart, other aspects of God's guidance were at work in my life. And I was asked to move forward in a direction entirely at odds with a lot of people's sound judgment. 
Friends, do you see what we're saying? I, I've, I know, I was sitting at home in this study and I thought I've, I'll confuse everybody entirely because I'll spend a few minutes at the start saying sound judgment, really important, important that you learn to exercise that. And then I'll say, wait a minute, sound judgment doesn't always work. Friends, let, let me try and bring this all together. Sound judgment is important for any person who is growing and maturing as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a must for people who have been made in the image of God, in an intelligent God, people who are called to love God with their minds. But sound judgment for us, unlike others, is not the be-all and end-all. We exercise our sound judgment in the broader context of our walk with God and His guiding. I want to take just the last couple of minutes available to me to suggest three guidelines that we bear in mind as we do exercise sound judgment. Firstly, make your decision in the light of God's word. Whenever we rely on our own judgment, we never, ever go against God's word. In a sense, this seems so obvious that we don't need to say it, but you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised the number of times you yourself or others known to you will be convinced of a position that stands over and against God's word. Friends, that cannot be. Whatever judgment we exercise is always under submission to God's word. Look again at this passage. There's another illustrative example here. In verses 16 to 18, James quotes from Amos chapter 9. And then he announces in verse 19, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles turning to God. He's using his judgment, but only after He's read and applied God's word to the situation. Because of what he knows about God from from parts of the Bible like Amos chapter 9, James then says, it is my judgment, but not before and not without the word of God. Friends, that's our first guideline in the use of our own judgment. Secondly, we need to make our decision in the light of our own gifts and abilities. As I say that, I'm thinking particularly of those times in our lives, and they're common enough, when the decision that we're faced with is a decision along the lines, what should I do? Or which of the opportunities before me should I take? And in that case, it's crucial, it's critical that we use judgment about our gifts and our abilities. Now, I want to make this as practical for you as I can. One of the areas where we need most guidance and discernment in this area is in church. If you're around church for any length of time, you'll know that people like me and others will come after you asking you to do stuff. That's how churches work. I haven't yet been in a church where there hasn't been quite a a dose of that. Now, we all need to understand our own gifts and abilities in order that we can make good responses. Yes to the right invitation, and it's okay to say no to the wrong invitation. For me personally, I 
the way this works itself out in my life, I'm still a relatively young minister, but I, I realize that that's, that's turning on me. If you're a young minister, what happens is people phone you up and ask you to come and speak to their youth group or to speak at their youth service. I, I loved doing that a few years ago and was very involved in, in leading a YF and, and all that kind of thing. But see, in the last few years, it just, when the invitation comes, it doesn't just sound quite as appealing anymore. Whenever I do accept a, an invitation and go and speak to the young people, I get the feeling that the connection isn't as strong as it once was. Friends, that's okay. That's a realization that, no, I can't be all things to all men and all women and all teenagers at the same time. We all need this, an awareness of our own gifts and abilities, an ability to use sound judgment, aware of who we are, uniquely made in God's image. Make your decisions in the light of God's word, in the light of your own gifts and abilities, and the third guideline I quickly want to suggest for relying on your own judgment, make your decisions according to an overall strategy. Now, Paul's life's a great example of this. Paul knows what he's about. From that day when he meets Christ on the Damascus Road, very quickly a vision grows in his life. I am a man who, am, who is given to taking the gospel of Jesus Christ far abroad, right through this known world of my time. I'll take it as far as Rome, even Spain. Paul makes his decisions in the light of that strategy. Again, this is something that I'm having to learn. Whenever you're a young minister, it's not only youth groups who phone you up and ask you to come and speak to them. It might be an invitation to preach at another church service or to speak at a congregation's weekend. It might be a men's group, a woman's group, a retirement group, a parachurch group. Now, do you say yes just because they've phoned you? Does that make it God's will? How on earth do you decide? Well, I've begun to think in terms of my strategy or my vision for what God has called me to do. Nowadays, when I get a phone call inviting me to come and to speak to any of these groups, I normally say, can I get back to you in a couple of days? And then during that couple of days, I think about it, I pray, and I wait and see what happens, how God prompts or leads or guides Sometimes I have a lovely sense of, yeah, I, I think God has given me something to share with that group of people at this point in time. And when that happens, it's wonderful. You phone the person back and you say, yes, I'd love to come. And you go with a wholehearted enthusiasm. But sometimes, with a couple of days to think about it, you wonder, are those people just phoning because they've got a diary to fill? They need a speaker to be there on that certain night. Or is that a group that actually would be much better served if this other person went and spoke to them? 
because this person would connect with them better and would have more to say than I would with my gifts and my abilities. Friends, we've got to learn about our gifts and our abilities, what the things are that God has called us to do and to exercise sound judgment in the light of those things. Let me conclude. God has given us a mind and he expects us to use it and to use it well. But unlike other people, God's people don't rely solely on their reasoning abilities. As Christians, we rely on God's word. We listen to the desires of our hearts, the advice of good friends, and the circumstances of our lives. But as God leads us, often we will have to make decisions in faith on the basis of sound judgment. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that in your eyes we are whole people. We are people with hearts and minds, souls and with strength. And Lord, you long for all of those, all of those aspects of who we are are to be directed to you and given to you in love. Lord, would you forgive us if we have been people who have imagined our mind to be unimportant in this life with you. Lord, would you show us again the, the thing that you're trying to do in us, to see us mature, to see us grow, to see us become more like Jesus. Lord, would you give us the mind of Christ our Savior? Lord, may we be people who exercise sound judgment because it is the judgment given to us by Jesus through his Spirit. Lord, we pray for this congregation and for other communities of your people nearby that they would be places marked out with wisdom, sound judgment, and the mind of Christ. Lord, we long to be guided by you but we don't give up our own responsibility in all of this. Lord, we long to be co-workers with you as you transform us. Amen.